Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word and we thank you for these words of Jesus. We've been spending many weeks looking at this Sermon on the Mount and today marks the end of our series on this and Lord we pray that we may be able to really concentrate this morning about the finishing word of Jesus as he gave this great sermon. May these words really touch our hearts and may we be built up and strengthened in the faith as a result of listening to these words of Jesus this morning and we pray this in his name. Amen. Well I'm not an architect but I still find buildings to be quite impressive Uh, There are many buildings around that you look at and and are just thrilled by the way that they've been built, particularly high ones. I always think high buildings are quite extraordinary and when we were in Melbourne last year we went to um, the Eureka Tower down there which has only been finished in the last 10 years or so and it claims to be the highest building in the Southern Hemisphere and it was quite impressive to be going right up to the top of this tower and looking out from the windows there at Melbourne all around you. I don't mind heights to some extent. I always liked climbing trees. But once you go past the point where if you fell, it would be more than just serious pain, uh, it starts to really scare me. So the Eureka Tower was fun, but I stood well back from the windows, whereas Joshua, my son, is banging on the glass like it's, um, <laughs> like it's very stable. And I... Um, was quite concerned whether it was as stable as it's supposed to be. He had no fear, but I was uh, wanting to take a few steps back. Buildings can be very impressive, particularly as buildings are all very different from one another. And it may be a difference in height, and it may be a difference in colour, it may be a difference in the architecture of the building. Uh, They are very impressive, and some are more attractive to us than others. Jesus also knows about buildings. And he gives us a common illustration here about uh, two men building houses. And that's what we're going to look at this morning. As uh, I just prayed, we've been looking at the Sermon on the Mount for a number of weeks, a number of months, and we finally come to the end of the sermon. And that's these verses of 24, verse 24 through to verse 27 of Matthew chapter 7. So if you've got a Black Church Pew Bible there, that's found on page 961. And we're going to be looking at this uh, paragraph this morning, these last words of Jesus, and looking at what they mean. Basically, Jesus is giving us an illustration of two houses. They're built by two men, and they've got two foundations, and a storm comes, and there's two results that uh, result from that storm coming. And so we're going to look at this illustration this morning, and I've divided up my sermon into three Uh, things that we should note about this illustration. It's an easy illustration to get. Uh, First time you read it, you're pretty much given the the full story. So I thought it'd be worthwhile to note three things. And if you've got a bulletin there, they're on the back there, the three things that we're going to note, that we're going to look at this morning. So the first thing that we should note about this illustration of the houses is that the houses look the same. There's no indication in the text that they look any different from one another. We're just told one is built by a wise man, one is built by a foolish man. The foundations may be different, but the houses themselves appear the same. There is no visible difference between them. What does it mean that they look the same? Why is it worth making this point? Well, it's what they represent. What do these houses represent? Well, they represent a false Christian and a true Christian. Jesus is not here comparing a non-Christian 
with a Christian. He is comparing a false Christian with a Christian. So they both appear the same. They, and this is an important point to make because not all Christians, uh, false Christians and Christians are easy to tell the difference between. They can look very similar to one another. And the similarity that they have here is that they both hear the word of God. The two houses are meant to be like two people hearing the word of God. And so both people may even admire the word of God, the false Christian and the true Christian, the pseudo-Christian and the, the true Christian. They both admire the word of God. They may hear the word of God. And so people like this are present all over the place, particularly in churches. There are people who come along to church week by week, hear the word of God, but aren't actually true Christians. They don't put the words of Jesus into practice. They simply hear the word of God. And it may be that they come along and hear it on Sundays, but they may even go further. They may hear the word of God in Bible studies. They may go along to Bible studies. They may even read the Bible. They may study the Bible. They may like reading the Bible and think that it's a a very interesting historical book. And it's good to know the roots of where our society has come from, Western society. It has uh, been influenced heavily by the scriptures. And so they study the scriptures and like the scriptures and so they're hearing the scriptures all the time but they aren't actually doing the scriptures. So they both look the same. They both hear the word of God. Both these houses are people who hear the word of God. They look the same. Then that raises the question is where is the difference? The similarity is that they both look the same. They both hear the word of God. Where is the difference between these two houses? Well, the second point to note then is that they have different foundations. And this is true. Houses that look the same can have very different foundations underneath. Foundations are very important and so a lot of time and energy is expended working out what sort of foundation you're going to give a house. And the two houses here have the option of either being a rock or sand, which indicates that these are probably houses that are built near a river. So the common concept in Jesus' day that you could build your house on sand or on rock because there's abundance of sand there in Israel and particularly around rivers. One house is built on sand. And so what does it mean then that it is built on sand? Well, that comes with certain advantages, doesn't it? it means that you can be closer to the river. You've got the river, you've got the sand, and then you've got the rock. And so you can actually be closer to the river. And why is that a benefit? Well, water is one of those essential things that we need. And so if you're closer to the river, there's less distance that you have to transport the water. Jesus lived in a day where the plumbing wasn't like we have today. And so you want to be close to water so that you could have access to that essential of daily life. And so building a house on a sand has that advantage. You're close to the river. Plus, you have that advantage that is still prevalent today, that you're close to the water. Um, just because people like being close to the water. We live here in Dremoyne, where, well not all of us, but some of us, live here in Dremoyne, surrounded by water. And people like to get as close to the water as possible for the water views. And you see that in the real estate ads. If they can put water views, uh, it is a very attractive thing about the house. 
So building on the sand means that you're close to the water for transport, for that essential, but you've also got the nice water views. It also seems reasonable uh, in certain times of the year to build your house on the sand because the sand actually got quite hard in Israel uh, over the summer months and so it seemed like a good spot to build a house upon. And it means that you don't have to uh, take as much time as well. It's got the advantage that the house goes up easily and quickly because you don't have to dig deep into the hard rock and install that foundation there that, uh, that other people are doing. No, you just sort of slap it together very quickly. So there's those advantages. But what does it tell you about the builder of a house on the sand? Well, it tells you that he doesn't consider the future or advice. He doesn't listen to what people say about building a house on the sand and he doesn't consider whether the house on the sand will always be a good spot to build upon. He's also impatient. That We're told that if you build a house on the sand that you must be someone who wants quick results. It's easy to do and so you're wanting quick results and so you're impatient to get it up and done. You're interested in shortcuts and quick results. That's what it tells you about the builder. But who does this house on the sand then represent? We were told, uh, I, I said that we've got an illustration here about false Christians and true Christians. We haven't got an illustration about non-Christians and Christians. We've got false Christians and Christians. Who is the house on the sand representing? Well, of course, it's the false Christian. How do we know it's the false Christian? Because it's someone who hears and does not do. Matthew 7, verse 26 Matthew 7 verse 26 says, But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. This house on the sand represents the false Christian. He hears but does not do. He is impatient to be a Christian. He wants quick results. He wants to be able to call himself a Christian nice and quickly. And this person is still around today and is usually the type of person who takes on Christianity because it is the easy option to do. Sometimes it's very easy to be a Christian, particularly if you grow up in a Christian home with Christian family members all around, if, particularly if you've got a big family and you know there's mum and dad, they're Christian, and then you've got three other brothers and sisters and they're all Christian. Would you want to be the one that is isolated out as the non-Christian, the atheist in the family? Some people would like to be the, the black sheep and like to cause trouble at the dinner table. But generally speaking, you want to follow on with everybody else because it makes life prosperous in the house. It means that people get off your back about being a Christian. And so it's actually the, the easy thing to do. It gets quick results. You hear the word of God, say you're a Christian and go with the flow. And it may be that your friends are Christians as well. So that makes it easier for, for you to be a Christian as well. You, know, you go along to, to church at youth group on, on Friday nights and you quite like the people there. You like the way they help you. They like the games that they play, the food that they eat at youth group. And so you go, I'm going to be a Christian as well and, and go with the flow. And it may even be that in this country, the country that you live in, the time that you live in, the prosperous thing to do is to be a Christian, be someone who hears the word of God regularly, doesn't actually do anything about it, but acknowledges the word of God. And some countries in the world, it's actually um, the, the not profitable thing to do is to be a Christian, but some countries it is the profitable thing to be involved with Christianity. 
And at times in church history, it has been, uh, if you were on the outside of Christianity, you were heavily persecuted. And so at times, the people have built their houses on the sand because it is the easy thing to do. They hear the word of God, say they're a Christian, have this house that is built up in an instant, and everyone respects them as a Christian, and life goes on nice and easily. So that's the house on the sand. What about the house that is built on the rock? What does it mean that it is built on the bedrock, firstly? Well, that comes with disadvantages. You don't have the nice water views that you do with the house on the sand. You don't have the nice, quick transportation of water uh, that you do with the house on the sand. It means it's hard work putting up your house. You have to dig deep into the rock and you have to, and it takes uh, a lot of time so it's slow work as well as hard work. And it, but it tells you something about the builder. It tells you that that builder considers the future. He listens to advice that the house on the sand, the sandy area, may not always support a house. Instead, I should build my house on the rock. It shows that the person is patient. Not an impatient person, but patient and willing to put in the hard yards and time to wait to get it right the first time that this house I want to last. And so who does this house and builder represent? True or false Christian? Well, of course, it's the true Christian. And he's described in verse 24. We see that it is the true Christian. Verse 24, Therefore everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. He hears the word, but also does the word of God. This is hard work. This is not easy. It's not a case of just simply hearing and instantly you have a house. No, you hear and you actually do the work of God. And that's hard. You have a natural inclination to sin, not a natural inclination to love others and to do what Jesus wants. Jesus wants you to repent of your sins. It is hard to examine your life, find sin and then be sorry for them. The proud heart does not want to acknowledge fault and it's hard then to repent of your sins. It's hard to believe in Jesus Christ as the payment for your sins. You're trusting a book. You're trusting the words that come from this book. Jesus hasn't appeared to you. He hasn't said, put your fingers into my hands and into my feet and into my side. Stop doubting and believe. No, you have to believe the word of God. And that's hard work. You have to dig deep and you have to do what he says. Repent, believe and start conquering sin in your life. So why then would you bother? Why would you bother if it is slow and hard work to build a house on the rock? Why would you do that? Well, that's the third point. The third thing that I want you to note this morning. Notice that both houses look the same, but both houses experience storms. The thing that these houses have in common is that they look the same, but they both experience great storms. And we see that in verse 25 where it talks about the house on the rock. What does it say about what happens to the house on the rock? It says, verse 25 of Matthew 7, The rain came down, the streams rose and the winds blew and beat against that house. And then down verse 27. Is there a softer storm for the house on the sand? Is it just a little bit of rain? The rain drizzled. 
No, verse 27, the rain came down, just like the rain came down on the house of rock. The streams rose and the winds blew and beat against that house. Both houses experienced the same storms. Both houses will experience storms at some point. Now this is quite a a vivid image that Jesus gives here, particularly for the people in Jesus' day. This is a pre-nuclear age, pre-dynamite blowing things up. And so what was the scariest thing that could happen? It was the forces of nature coming against you. Yes, man could inflict some pain with the sword, and, uh, but the big danger was the forces of nature coming and taking away the houses and maybe the whole suburb, the whole area. And so Jesus uses this illustration here to show that there is, should be a fear, particularly of storms. And this storm here doesn't just come in a little way, it comes at all angles. Notice that it says the rain came down, so we've got a house, rain's coming down on it, the stream's rising, so they're coming from underneath, so top is being attacked, the bottom is being attacked, what else is being attacked? Are the sides free? No, it says, verse 25, and the winds blew and beat against that house. The wind's coming from the sides, you've got the rain coming from the top, you've got the rain, uh, the floodwaters coming from below, everything is coming against this house. And so what are these storms? What is this storm that is coming around the house? Well, we're talking about Christians here. We're talking about people. They're the houses. What, what are the storms that come around Christians and pseudo-Christians, false Christians? Well, they can be storms in this life. It can be sickness. You suddenly get very, very ill. And you start to see whether you are a true Christian or you're a false Christian. It could be financial stress, poverty comes along and it is a storm against the house. You've got family problems coming against you and it is a storm against the house. And then maybe even persecutions come along and they're a storm against you. But then there's the future major storm that is coming. And so there's little storms that come, but I think the implication of the text is primarily on the future storm that is coming, and that is Judgment Day, where God really tries every person. It comes from all angles, and you are tried to see whether you are a false Christian or whether you are a true Christian. It comes from above, it comes from the sides, it comes from below, and you are tested whether you are a true Christian at all. And what happens? Well, one house stands and the other house falls. The house on the sand, the false Christian, it falls completely. What does it say? Verse 27, the rain came down, the streams rose and the winds blew and beat against that house and it fell with a great crash. There is nothing good about that house anymore. It is completely down. It's not like the kitchen fell down and that was it or a chimney came off the roof. Everything goes down. And so it may be shown in this life, as this storm comes along, that you crash and you were never truly a Christian at all. It may be that you're suddenly in a car accident and you're paralysed from the neck down. And then it really comes out whether you are a true Christian at all, whether you curse God and die, cursing him for what he has done in your life. 
that you crash with that Christianity that you professed in the past. Or it may be the financial hardships you experienced with the last year, the global GFC, the global financial crisis that comes along. Now, we in Australia have been blessed that we haven't been as affected as other nations, but I'm sure there are many people out there in the world at the moment who profess Christ in the past, but due to financial hardships now, they're no longer Christians. They're no longer praising God. They lost their job. Why should they praise God? They're not going to acknowledge him anymore or listen to his word. And then false Christians, are, of course, may come out, they always come out at Judgment Day. God will not let false Christians get away. They will be sent to hell as people who never knew Jesus Christ at all and they will be left with nothing. They will fall with a great crash and nothing for the rest of eternity except pain and suffering and punishment for being false Christians in this life and not true Christians. Whereas the house on the rock, the true Christian, what happens when the storm comes? Well, it stands. Verse 25, The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundations on the rock. The foundation is there firm on the rock. So when suffering comes in this life to a true Christian, instead of disowning God and rejecting him, they stand firm as a Christian no matter what happens. And the classic example is Job, which we just read. He had all these troubles come to him. He had his children killed. He had his his, uh, property lost. And then he has his wife saying to him, Curse God and die. But what does Job do? He says, Blessed be the name of the Lord. In all this it says in the text there in Job, Job did not sin. He stood firm as a true Christian that he is. The storm came very heavily upon Job. And did he fall with a great crash? No. He stood firm because he is true to God. He is truly one of God's people. And then the storm on Judgment Day for the true Christian, do they fall with a great crash there? No, they stand firm when God trials them and says, are you going to heaven or to hell? No, this person is showing that they are a true Christian and they're not going to hell, they're going to heaven. They stand firm when that storm of judgment comes down from all angles with no escape possible. They stand firm and are shown to be a true Christian. So let me warn you this morning, prepare for the storms that are coming. It's all too easy to be a Christian while life is rosy and you think times will never change and it will always be profitable to be a Christian. Storms will come. They may come in this lifetime where you experience great pain, great suffering, lose your money, lose everything. It can happen but it may not happen. But remember, the big storm is coming, the great storm, where you will be judged from all angles for what you've done in this life. Let me warn you about that this morning. You may say that I'm trying to scare you here, to frighten you, but would you accuse someone of doing the wrong thing if they were frightening you out of a burning building? Yes, by calling fire, fire, 
scares people, but if it gets them to act to save their lives, it is the right thing to do. And that's what Jesus is doing here at the end of the Sermon on the Mount. He wants to finish warning you of the storm that is coming and warning you to flee from the coming wrath of God. Flee now while you still can and be a true Christian and not a false Christian. How do you do that? How do you be a true Christian? Well, Jesus says, verse 24, Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. You want to be that house on the rock that stands on Judgment Day, stands in any suffering that may happen in this life? Hear Jesus' words and put them into practice. Hear his call to repent and actually repent. Hear his call to believe in Jesus' death for yourself and then believe. Don't just say, oh yes, that's nice, repent and believe. That's a great doctrine, that's a good way to get into heaven. Don't just hear it, actually do it. And when he says, love your neighbour, do it. Don't just say, that's a very nice golden rule for others to do to me. Do it yourself. Put the words into practice. That is the way that you will be prepared then for any storm that is coming. Your Christianity will stand firm in the storm that comes in this life and the storm that is coming on Judgment Day. Build upon the rock by hearing Jesus' words and putting them into practice. Are you prepared for the coming storm? Maybe storms in this life, but are you prepared for that big storm, the judgment day that is coming? Or are you only a Christian at the moment because it's easy for you to be a Christian? It's nice and simple to be a Christian. Are you a hearer and not a doer of the word of God? I hope that we all here this morning are hearers and doers of the word of the Lord. You are not just pretending to be Christians when you meet me at the door afterwards, but you are truly Christians because you hear and you do. Because that means that you will get... You may get some praise from people here at church for being a Christian and we may all love you and care for you, but it means that you will stand on Judgment Day and that is what I care about most. I would hate to see anyone here this morning going to hell when I thought they were, all, they were a Christian all the time, but instead they were a false Christian built upon sand, not built upon the rock. Search your heart this morning and ask yourself, are you a doer of God's word as well as a hearer? Build your house upon the rock. Let us speak with our God now. Heavenly Father, we thank you that we can build our houses upon a rock, that there is a rock to be built upon, that we can build upon Jesus' words. We can hear them and then put them into practice and know that we will stand firm in whatever trials come and whatever storm may present itself in this life. But we know that we will stand, most importantly, on Judgment Day, that we will not be blown away by the wrath of God, but that we will be welcomed into paradise. Lord, I beg that no one here this morning is a hearer 
and not a doer of God's word. May everyone here this morning be someone who hears the word of God as it has been proclaimed this morning and actually puts it into practice and stands firm on Judgment Day. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.